This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk. Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. And today's topic is taking care of the one you love. So, Valentine's Day is right around the corner, and love is in the air, and we thought we would do a show about how you can show your love by making sure that your financial ducks are in a row so that your loved ones are all taken care of. So with me today, I have Kelsey Banke. Kelsey, welcome. Thank you, Mary. Kelsey is a certified financial planner out at Stirk Financial, and um, she and I have put together this show to kind of talk about some of the things that you can do ahead of time that are basically wonderful gifts for the people that you love if you have these things done and taken care of. I, I think that this is going to be a good show. And this one, you know, we, we so often focus on uh, people who are, are nearing the end of their lives. And you'll see a lot of this is going to play into that. But and the, in the same token, tomorrow is never guaranteed. So doing things now to just help make things easier for your family and your, your loved ones is definitely uh, something that you should consider. Right. And here's the thing. We all love somebody. You know, and and there are smart ways to take care of that special someone financially. And we're going to talk about four or five of them today. So first, let's talk about how you can take care of someone financially if you are gone, right? So if something happens to you unexpectedly, how do you leave your people that you love in a strong financial position? So one of the obvious things that comes to mind is life insurance, right? And there are three main phases to life insurance. So the first phase of life insurance has to do with when you are younger and you have children and you have a younger spouse. So we would call that phase one. And, and really that's all about widows and children, right? If you pass away, what you want to do is make sure that there's money there to do a few different things. So some of the things that you would want to make sure that life insurance is there to do is take care of Uh, living expenses for your family. Maybe you want them to be able to stay in the same home you're in. So maybe you want to make sure you can take care of the mortgage, pay off that mortgage and let them live in that same house if something happens to you. Maybe you want to set aside money if you die for your children to go to college. And uh, so those are some of the things that you can think about from a life insurance standpoint in that phase one. That phase one, that can be really helpful. You know, if if a a spouse is being left um, by themselves with children, not only do they have to take care of themselves, but they have to emotionally take care of their children as well. And, uh, you know, I had one person that I talked with that they said with some of their life insurance money they got, they lived in California and they got an annual pass to Disneyland. And she said that was just a really great thing that she could do with her kids on a regular basis that helped them to enjoy each other and move forward in a positive way. So, uh, you know, definitely the bills, the, uh, the debt and all of that stuff comes first, but making sure there's maybe a little bit extra in there to help with some of the emotional care and healing process is a good idea as well. Absolutely. Okay, so phase two is when your kids are out of the home and you're kind of in that pre-retirement or retirement mode. And what phase two in life insurance is all about is making sure that your spouse is taken care of if something happens to you, making sure that they're taken care of for the rest of their life. So let's just say you have 10 or 15 years until you're going to retire and something happens to you. Your spouse is now left in a situation where 
the savings that you had intended to do until you retire is gone. And so not only does it affect cash flow currently, but it also impacts the amount of money that you're likely to have at that retirement age to carry them through the rest of their life. So when I say phase two is all about taking care of your spouse like that, that's what it really is, is if you're not there to help with the retirement savings and retirement planning, that there's money there to take care of them. All right, phase three then is really all about the legacy. And when you think about the legacy that you want to leave, at the end of your life, people often want to leave money financially to people they love or to charities that they love. And when you think about that legacy, life insurance can be a beautiful way, a tax-free way, to leave money to something that you care about. So that kind of takes you through the three phases of life insurance and what are some of the things to think about when you're planning for taking care of someone that matters to you. And definitely when you're when you're getting your life insurance and you're looking at your policies and reviewing them, having the goal in mind of that insurance is very important because there's different kinds of life insurance, different amounts of life insurance. So um, I, I see often people who got life insurance because that's the number and the kind that somebody told them they should get. Just make sure that that all, always aligns with what your goal is for the insurance. Um, and that will keep you from having you know, excess insurance that costs too much or, or not having enough insurance for what you need and the right kinds for what you need. Here's something that people also don't understand about life insurance is that the cost of insurance is based off of something called a mortality table. And a mortality table basically is how long all the smart actuaries think you might actually live. And that also means for the insurance company how long it's going to be until they have to pay out that life insurance benefit, right? So as time goes by and as medical advances happen, then the mortality tables change because with better medicine, with better technology, human beings are living longer. And if it's a longer amount of time until the insurance company is likely to pay out that death claim, then the cost of insurance per year actually is a little bit cheaper. So if you have a policy that was taken out in the 1980s or the 1990s or even the early 2000s, you're probably operating off of old mortality tables. And what that means is if you do a life insurance review and if you're healthy, you might be able to upgrade your policy to something that's less expensive per thousand dollars worth of insurance. It's kind of interesting how that works. So I encourage everybody to, you know, reach out. Let's do a review of your insurances. Let's see where you're at and if they align with the life that you have now and what phase you're in and make sure that you're paying the least amount possible for good quality coverage. Okay. The next thing I want to talk about to uh, be taking care of the people that you love is getting your estate planning documents in order. Now, we have talked about this numerous times over the course of this show. <laughs> so in a nutshell, Kelsey, share with us what the, what the quick in information is on the three-pack of documents someone should have. Sure. So the, the three-pack that we like to talk about the most is uh, your will your financial power of attorney and your healthcare power of attorney. And, you know, things can pass down and happen um, many times without these. It's just a much, much more complicated process if you have to get these things in order um, after you're no longer able to do that for yourself. So uh, this is one of the easiest things that you can do. Um, 
it's it's not you know uh, something that's difficult to do. You just need to contact an attorney that does estate planning to get these set up. The will would would say what you want to happen with your uh, your belongings. Also, if you have small children, you can designate in your will who you'd like to take care of them. Who do you like to take care of the money? And that can be two different things for your children. You might have one person designated to take care of them um, and where they live and where they'd go to school and things like that. And you might have a completely different person set up to handle their money for them just to have that checks and balance in place. Um, And you don't have to, but it's just something to think about that that's an option for you. It's actually a really good thing to think about whether or not you want to separate the care of your children from the finances of your children if you're not there to do it. And and there are very differing opinions on this. There's no one right or wrong way to do it. But sometimes the people who you want to raise your kids are not necessarily the most financially savvy. And sometimes the most financially savvy people are not who you want to raise your kids. (laughs) So that's why you can do either or and potentially kind of separate it. You also can then uh, get the financial power of attorney and healthcare power of attorney. Now, those two things help you while you're alive. So these would be very beneficial if something happened to you um, and you weren't able to take care of those things on your own or make those decisions on your own. So um, if something happens suddenly or if it's later in your life and, and things are deteriorating slowly, either way, those documents are helpful. It says who you want to take care of your finances for you when you can't do it for yourself and who you want to make healthcare decisions for you when you no longer can do that that for yourself. And if you have multiple children, or if you have um, a spouse and, and some strong-willed children, having that, <laughs> I've seen that one. <laughs> children, that never happens. <laughs> um, having that person specifically named who you want to do that, and then a successor person in case they aren't available to do it, um, having that named and dictated, and then providing those documents to the institutions that might need them is a very great way to just get some things taken care so that your loved ones don't have to worry about that in the event that they need to take care of you. Now let's talk about that will for just a second. So if you um, have children or if you have grandchildren that you're wanting to leave something to, I just want to give you a little tip on this. Too much money at too young of an age oftentimes will wreck a child. And what I mean by wreck a child is it will kill their motivation, it will kill their work ethic, and it will oftentimes allow them to finance bad behavior that is not good in their life. So when you set up your will or if you set up a trust or something like that, one of the things that you can do is dictate how that money comes out to somebody over time. So for instance, you could say, I want a third of the money to come to my child when they're 25, a third when they're 30, and a third when they're 35. And understandably, they're probably going to blow the first third. (laughs) But hopefully they would have learned some lessons with that. And by the time they get the second chunk or the third chunk, they're more financially responsible and spending it on things that would make you proud of what they're doing with that. So think about that kind of leaving money over time. I also have seen a number of different estate planning documents, especially recently, that are encouraging work ethic in children or grandchildren. And where where people are saying, you can have an amount of money coming out of my estate equal to the amount of money that you're making with your job that year. So if you have a job that's giving you $30,000, then you can also have $30,000 from the estate. But if you have no job, you get no money. And I think that's a brilliant way to encourage work ethic and not have large amounts of money wreck things that we think are important values in our children. 
congratulations to Mary Stirk and the team at Stirk Financial for earning a spot on two Forbes lists for six years running, including 2023 Forbes Best in State Wealth Advisors and 2023 Forbes Top Women Wealth Advisors Best in State, number one in South Dakota. Welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. In today's topic, we're talking about taking care of the one you love. We've talked about life insurance planning and how you can set things up to make sure people are taken care of in your absence. We've talked about the estate planning documents that are important to get into place. So alive or dead, you're the ones you love are taken care of. And now we're going to talk about something that's a little bit interesting called burial plans. So a lot of times part of taking care of someone you love when you're gone has to do with making sure that your final expenses are taken care of and that you're setting things up so that um, it's easier for someone to handle things if you're gone unexpectedly or, you know, maybe after an illness. But creating your burial plan, I think, is a, is a nice gift that you give to people that you love. And there are many ways to do it. There are ways to do it with life insurance. There are ways to do it with prepaid funeral expense plans that you can do right at the funeral home. And then there's also something that's called a burial trust, which you can take a smaller amount of money and put it into a burial trust. And then when you pass away, a larger amount of money will come out that can be used for any funeral home or any place that you want your final expenses to be taken care of. And so there, there are multiple ways to attack this. We can help guide you through what some of the better ones are, um, even down to, you know, pre-buying your um, tombstone or your plot. Now, I have a little funny story to share about this because when my grandmother passed away, my parents gave us the gift of buying their plots at the same time. So my grandmother, my dad's mom, and my parents are all going to be laid to rest in the same cemetery, and they have a headstone that actually covers all three of them. Well, I didn't know any of that at the time. And when I went out to the cemetery when my grandma was buried, lo and behold, there's her name with her birth and date of death. And then there's my parents' names on the same headstone already with their birth dates. And I was completely unprepared to see my parents' name on a headstone at that point in time. So thank you, Mom and Dad, for taking care of that detail. But if you're going to do that, maybe give your kids a little advance warning. <laughs> That's so funny, Mary, because my, my grandparents actually have had their headstone um, with the picture that they wanted and the names on it for, like, as long as I can remember. <laughs> and um, I, we didn't lose uh, my grandma until recently. But it, it's funny that you say that because it is – It's we, we would go it's to the shocking. cemetery and visit all the people that had passed yep. away, visit and put flowers down. And we'd go over to my grandparents' headstone even though they hadn't passed away just to see it. I mean, that's just weird. <laughs> it's weird, but it's funny. But, yeah, I, I agree. That's such a nice thing to do that, that you know uh, – when you're planning for your your funeral, if a loved one has to step in and do it suddenly after they lose you, there's a lot of decisions to be made. And there's things that, you know, there's a lot of expense that can happen. And there's some things that maybe you don't care about. So like me personally, like put me in the cheapest thing possible. I don't, I don't really care, but sometimes your loved ones want to make that their last thing for you that they did, that they really took care of you and it, and it might be at a financial expense to them that they can't afford. So I'm um, putting, putting your input in and on how you want to be buried and where you want to be buried or if you want to be buried and, and, and all of those of details ahead mm-hmm. of time 
can lift such a burden off of your your loved ones. So give some thought to that and make sure you communicate that to the people who might be making those decisions. Now here's kind of an interesting thing that is newer. And this this piece of this has a lot to do with the fact that so many more divorces and multiple marriages have happened. So there is a growing trend where children from a first marriage and spouse from the second marriage are at odds with who gets to decide where somebody is buried or what to do with the remains. Okay, so there's a new document out that we have seen some attorneys start to put together, especially in the blended family situation called the Disposition of Final Remains document. And basically, when you're alive, you are giving the power of where to bury you and where decisions are made to bury you and what to do with your remains to a specific person. So you can only imagine, you know, if you have three kids from your first marriage and you're you know, first wife has passed away and you marry somebody for a second marriage and are married to them for 20 years, your second spouse is going to feel like they have, you know, the right to decide where you want to be buried and maybe be buried next to you. But your kids from your first marriage, their first thought is going to be they want to lay you to rest next to mom or they are the ones that should get to decide, you know, what to do with your remains. So there's a lot of contention in blended families about who gets to decide what. Understandable. So if you're in a blended family, talk to your attorney about doing a document called Disposition of Final Remains, and that will help solve any of the fighting because it'll be in writing who has the power to decide what's going to happen when you're gone. Anywhere you can put something into place that prevents arguments after your yes. your death is something that we really think you should consider. Um, you know, it's I've seen it professionally and personally that that after someone passes away, whole families can fall apart over the smallest little details. Um, so this might seem like overkill in some places, but if you want and to your family to be preserved in the in the state that it was and to still spend time together and, and enjoy each other. Things that you can do like that can go a long way. We see this all the time, especially with families where the land is the legacy, right? People who own farms or ranches have multiple acres, especially if you have a child who stayed on the farm and other children who didn't stay on the farm, but now are going to own part of the farm. So these kind of things that we're talking about, doing this advanced planning to take care of the people you love is so critical and so important. Now, we actually have a great guide that we've created. It's it's one of our favorite tools that we have that's called the Beneficiary Guidebook. And the Beneficiary Guidebook is something that when you're alive, you're putting this together for the people that you love. It's a list of, hey, if I die, here's the people you need to contact. Here's the stuff that I have. Here's where you need to go look for different things. And here's how I'd like my final expenses or my funeral or my burial to be handled. And this guidebook, if you put your wishes down, then it is a massive gift that you're giving to the people that you love. So they don't have to try to figure all this out without your input. Now, the kind of interesting thing about it is this guideline book that we created, it's free. If you'd like to get a copy of it, just Call us or go out to strictfinancialservices.com and request your free beneficiary guidebook. We will send that to you. But it's pretty all-encompassing, right? I mean, it's down to the, hey, here's where my safe deposit box key is, which, as you all know, you probably hide in weird places. (laughs) (laughs) 
It might be in the back pocket of Grandpa's old jacket hung in the closet in the back mudroom. <laughs> you know, something weird like that that's going to be impossible for you to find or for your kids to find. People hide stuff in really weird places, and, and that's good until they're no longer around to tell people where to find it. Right, so, exactly. Uh, having a place that you disclose some of that and, and to certain people is a good thing. Yeah, so we really encourage you to reach out, get that beneficiary guidebook and fill it out. And then you don't have to give it to anybody and you're going to want to keep it in a safe place. What you need to do with that is you need to let someone know where to find it. So if you have a child that's going to be your main person that's taking care of things or your spouse, you need to let somebody know where to find the information. Not so that they have access to it now, but so that they know where to find it when you're gone. So... Speaking of that, we have a seminar coming up that's called Assisting Your Aging Parents. And this beneficiary guidebook is actually a wonderful tool that we utilize in that seminar. The seminar is coming up on February 28th, and you can go out to our website at strictfinancialservices.com to register for it. And here's the thing. As you're moving into the role of financial caregiver for your parents, while they have the mental faculties to be able to have conversations about these things, this guidebook is a wonderful tool for you to work on together. So you can have conversations about what they want once they're gone. You can have conversations about what do they have right now that's going to help carry them through. You can have conversations that are really, really important if you're going to be the one taking care of things financially for them. So reach out for a guidebook, reach out and come to our seminar, and uh, it'll be definitely good information if you're in that financial caregiver role. Okay, the last thing I want to talk about in taking care of the ones that you love is making sure your beneficiaries are updated. So a primary beneficiary is who gets your accounts if you die. A contingent beneficiary only gets the money if you and your primary beneficiaries are all dead. And um, sometimes people say, well, I want it to be split between my four kids and everybody gets 25%. And they don't realize that you have to take another step. If you want your child's share to go down to their children, there's some other things you need to do. Otherwise, if your child has gone, then instead of splitting 25% to everybody, it'll get split in thirds between the remaining three children. So be careful with your beneficiary designations about how you set them up. All right. Have a good Valentine's Day. We hope that this information has really helped you set up a place where you can show people your love through getting your financial ducks in a row. And thanks for listening to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. Sterk Financial Services is celebrating 20 years in 2024. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of your audio provider and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can ensure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. 
Securities and investment advisory services offered through Osaic Wealth, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Insurance offered through Sterk Financial Services, which is not affiliated with Osaic Wealth. Osaic Wealth is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names, products, or services referenced here are independent of Osaic Wealth. The rankings for the Forbes Best in State Wealth Advisors list by Shook Research is based on due diligence meetings to evaluate each advisor qualitatively, a major component of a ranking algorithm that includes client retention, industry experience, review of compliance records, firm nominations, and quantitative criteria, including assets under management and review generated for their firms. The Forbes ranking of America's top women wealth advisors is based on an algorithm of qualitative and quantitative data, rating thousands of wealth advisors with a minimum of seven years of experience and weighing factors like revenue trends, assets under management, compliance records, industry experience, and best practices learned through telephone and in-person interviews. There is no fee in exchange for rankings. Forbes is a trademark of Forbes Media LLC. All rights reserved. Rankings and recognition from Forbes Shook Research are no guarantee of future investment success and do not ensure that a current or prospective client will experience a higher level of performance results and such rankings should not be construed as an endorsement of the advisor.